0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is that time of week again. Welcome to the Believe in NBA Prospects show. I'm your host, Harry Rubenstein. Across from me, as always, is my ever-so-lovely co-host, Michael Maxey, here on the Believe Podcast Network in partnership with Up and Under NBA Network. But guess what, Michael? We have... Have programming news for uh, for the people at home who might not be too familiar with me. I host a couple different podcasts on the Up and On or excuse me on the Nothing But Net Dash Radio Channel. Michael, we have gone national. We are now officially part of the Nothing But Net Dash Radio Channel. You can guys can check us out at 11 a.m. Central Time on the Dash Radio NBA Channel. We went national, Michael. We did it. We're big time.
1: That is exciting. That's very exciting.
0: One of only one of only two it. draft shows uh, that uh, nothing but net throws up on there. So we are in a elite category here, Michael. So we have to we have to do our people proud for our debut episode.
1: Oh, I think we'll be fine. I think we have this yeah for control.
0: sure. And today, for the people at home, uh, another small programming note: today we're going to keep it a little bit shorter, only thirty minutes today. Uh, we're going to do risers and fallers today ahead of Selection Sunday, and then next week. We'll do a little bit longer of a show because Selection Sunday comes up, obviously, this Sunday. So we will be going through 20 to 25 prospects for you guys to watch out for during March Madness. I know that's kind of my whole thing when it comes to March Madness. I don't know about you, Michael, but I'm all about the draft when March Madness begins. So we'll give a couple names to the people at home.
1: Absolutely. March Madness, to me, is just a basically a precursor for the start of these players starting to build their draft stock. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I look... I. I watch college basketball way differently than everyone else. It's 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 kind of hard to watch it with my friends because all I'm looking at is draft yep. prospects.
0: But thank God, Michael, thank God that Murray State ended up beating Belmont in the championship of the Ohio Valley Championship because now we get John Morant in the in the tournament. Thank goodness. Ugh, we almost that didn't get John Godson. Morant. That, that would have been, been the best
1: thing to happen. Oh, I know. And then I have a friend who knows the Wilder kid from Belmont, and she's. I'm like, oh no, we need John Morant in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, this is this is big. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be huge. I'm
1: I'm happy about it.
0: So, guys, we are going to do our risers and fallers today. Basically, we're gonna go through about four risers and four fallers from the past week or past week or so of games. The tournaments are done or about to be done here in the next couple days. So, without further ado. Let's get into our first riser, and I think the biggest riser maybe of the college basketball season at large, outside of John Moran, Kobe White, who has in very short time gone from like maybe late first-round prospect to kind of middling first-rounder to I don't think he makes it past the lottery, and if he does, I will be stunned.
1: Uh, I agree with you 100%, Harris. Uh, Kobe White was a guy who— you know he came into uh, North Carolina as kind of like overshadowed by Nasir Little, and now he has become one of the best freshmen in the nation. I, I definitely think I could see him even maybe getting himself into a lottery. He's just so I think so. If uh, he, uh, I, go ahead, sorry. I, I'm just he's just not. I he's a combo guard, but he's running the point for North Carolina. He's doing a fantastic job. He's so versatile. I just really like his game.
0: And also, it can't be ignored, Michael. Uh, that hair instantly makes him a more likable NBA prospect. I don't care what anyone says. When you got hair like that, you are instantly someone that people are going to be watching. But in that game against Duke, you know – RJ Barrett's on the floor. Cam Reddish is on the floor. Trey Jones is on the floor. UNC had already beaten Duke once that year, and Kobe White was the best player on the floor for either team to kind of a point where I was stunned that he didn't come into the season ranked higher. Like He was clearly better, or not clearly better, he was clearly more comfortable than RJ Barrett or Cam Reddish, at least when it comes to shooting the ball.
1: Uh, he definitely looks. He definitely looks like he's under control. He looks like his uh, his jumper has improved as the season's gone on. He looks smooth, and I really, I really think that that's. I mean, the scouts are going to see this. They're going to see all of his, his his intangibles that don't go up on the bat. Uh, you know, on the stat sheet, and I think he's. I really think his stock has rose more than any player since the beginning of the
0: year to now. I agree, and also. I I know I mentioned the hair. I will say this also about Kobe White. And I've told this to you before, Michael, so I'll stay consistent. I love college prospects who show up in big games. I like big game players. If you perform well in big games in the NBA or in college basketball, you're going to perform well in big games in the NBA. And Kobe White, in every single big game that the Tar Heels have had this year, plus two games against Duke, he has shown up, shown out, and arguably been the best player on the court for UNC in every big game that they've had this year. That's the kind of stuff I like to see out of a lottery pick.
1: Absolutely. You're right. You got. You want to see him against the best players. The way he played against Duke, the way he's played against in another big games, you know, uh, throughout the whole ACC uh, season, he has been a prime time player. He has gotten up for the, the better teams, and he's been consistent. And you know what? He's even had a couple games where he's carried the Tar Heels on his back. I re- I really I don't know how all this translates to the NBA. But I think he's worth taking a shot, maybe just outside the lottery or definitely in the, you know, in the mid teens.
0: If he can get UNC to the final four, I would not be surprised if he goes top ten. I just wouldn't. I think he'll end up replacing Nickel Alexander Walker as like the top shooter taken in the lottery. Like everyone keeps mocking, you know, Nickel Alexander Walker to the Pistons. I feel like Kobe White will take over that slot in the top fifteen if he continues to play the way he has been.
1: I don't see why he why he wouldn't. You know, he's gonna get a lot mm-hmm. he's gonna right. get a lot of looks in that area.
0: That's fair. So Michael, another riser. We're gonna keep it on the rise here. Now, this is a guy who you've actually thrown a couple barbs at, but I'm I'm gonna stand up for my guy. You know who a riser is? Let Jackson get- Hayes uh, from Texas. Yeah. Why got named Big Twelve Freshman of the Year? was named to the Big 12 All-Defense team. He was All-Big 12 Second Team in general, was part of the All-Newcomer team. By the way, here's a little, little fun factoid. Here is the length of former Texas Longhorns to win Freshman of the Year. TJ Ford, Daniel Gibson, I don't know who the heck those dudes are, but the three next ones are big time. Kevin Durant, Tristan Thompson, and... And Miles Turner are the last three guys to win that award for Texas. Now, obviously, he's a completely different player than all three of those guys. Maybe Tristan Thompson is kind of remotely the one he's closer to. People love to throw him around with Miles Turner. If you watch them play basketball, they they play the center position in almost completely different ways. But Jackson Hayes, to me, is a guy who I feel like everyone in the NBA keeps waiting to devalue because he's a rim-running center. But he just keeps playing so well. He's so long. He's so tall. And he's also one of the youngest players in this year's draft. I am standing by this. I have said this multiple times. Jackson Hayes is a top 10 pick. And I think he solidified it with the end of the year for Texas.
1: Uh, he did have a big end of the year. I think he shot like 7 of 9 or something crazy, 9 of 11 or something uh, in his last game. And uh, But I'm telling you right now, I would not take him in the top 10. I, I got to see more out of him. I mean yeah I understand he's young and everything and I understand that you know that just tells you how awful the freshman class in the Big 12 is if he's winning freshman yeah. this year. I mean seriously I I mean he's a nice player uh, I think he I think he can adapt defensively um you know into that the way the NBA is. I I don't I have not seen his uh o- offensive game really evolve. I know he's got some he get he's thunderous dunks and And stuff like that. I'd like to see a little bit more, uh, maybe pop, a little bit more uh, mid-range shots. But uh, you're probably right. He's probably going to be a top ten pick, or if not, not just outside the top ten. And uh, I mean, he has played much better in the last uh, couple games. And uh, I'd like to see how he uh, progresses in the postseason.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's go to a couple fallers now. So we got our, we got two of our of our four risers. Let's get two of our fallers here. So Kobe White and Jackson Hayes are two. Uh, Risers, our two fall or fallers, excuse me. One of them is Cam Reddish. Now, I want to go back to the big game argument I brought up to you before that I want to see my guys show up in big games. Cam Reddish now, multiple big games across the entire season for Duke has shot like hell. That dude cannot shoot the ball. He just can't. I don't know what happened to his jump shot. I don't know if he's trying too hard. He can no longer shoot the ball. To me, I think he's actually been the most disappointing NBA draft prospect this year. I thought he had such a potential to take over this Duke team, and not only is he fallen to like the third option, you can make an argument he's even the fourth option on this team because he can't shoot the ball.
1: I, I agree with you 100% and the sad thing is we all keep him in the top 5 because we all know.
0: we all think
1: he's a, a stud and he has been you're right. He has been such a disappointment. And I keep waiting for him to have that game. Yeah, he hit that big shot against Virginia. Yeah, he's had a couple 20-point games. Uh, he has looked okay with Zion Williamson, you know, uh, sideline. But he's got to step up in the tournament. If he doesn't step up in the tournament, I can see him falling definitely outside the top five for sure.
0: I mean, it, you, you say that like Cameron Reddish has had a couple 20-point games. I mean, between you, me, and the big man upstairs, Michael – for the guy who's you know ranked number three in the country going to Duke, if he isn't dropping at least like four or five games in one season with twenty points, then like what are we doing here? <laughs> like, good lord, I hope he can drop that many points in a college basketball game. Well, I mean, I know he, he the- is he not is he just Josh Jackson two
1: Well, the sad thing is that Josh Jackson had a good tournament, and I actually was debating if he was better than uh, Jason Tatum, and then I obviously Ooh. watched a little bit more Jason Tatum. I'm like. Nah, Tatum's a better player. But, you know, that's Mm -hmm. just what Josh Jackson was bringing. But, like, Cam Reddish came into college as the best shooter in this class for Duke. Um, And he is – I mean, he had a one-for-11 game. He's had multiple games where he has just shot garbage. And I don't get it because all the pressure and all the attention is on Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. This is a perfect time for him to explode. I mean, no one's even no, – he's getting the third-best defender on him every game, and he can't put up better stats than that. Uh, I, you know, I, I think he's going to – he does look like a pro. He does – he's got the size, the ability, you know, or the, the looks, the part. But, man, if that jumper don't start going, I mean, what – I mean, he's just basically a, a an NBA-looking dude with no jumper, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of an NBA dude with maybe no jumper, our next faller is another guy from Duke. I know that the team in general has been great this year, but we're heading into the tournament. I, I, I am so afraid to put the tag on him. Is R.J. Barrett Andrew Wiggins?
1: God, I hope not. Uh, I re-
0: <laughs> I'm worried. Like, every time I watch R.J. Barrett and then I go back and watch Andrew Wiggins at Kansas, I feel like I'm watching the same player. I just over and over and over again. The the shooting, the driving, the the lack of aggressiveness, the kind of inconsistency on defense. He he hints a lot towards Andrew Wiggins, which is the exact opposite way that you want him to go. You want him to go Paul George. You don't want him to go Andrew Wiggins.
1: Absolutely. And I too I, I, I do agree with you to a certain point. Um and, and, and up until this year, Andrew Wiggins, I don't know what happened. He, like, took a major. He, like, hit a mountain or something and fell. I don't know because he is, like, like this is not the same player that was drafted. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm hoping that R.J. Barrett's got a little bit more drive, a little bit more, um, you know, uh, aggressiveness. You know, I, I see the body language. I know what you're saying. Um, I am very high on R.J. Barrett, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe that's keeping me from, Swaying towards the Andrew Wiggins, I was high on Andrew Wiggins too. So, I mean, it. But I get what you're saying, and I think you're going to see R.J. Barrett blow up in this tournament, and I think Duke is a Final Four team. So, I
0: I, I still also think Duke's a Final Four team for what it's worth. <laughs> and,
1: and and I think um and it, the sad thing is, is, Zion Williamson gets see Zion Williamson gets all the all the uh, publicity, all the the credit. When when our let's be honest, R.J. He carried him a couple games with Zion in the in the roster. So I mean, Zion Williams gets all the the accolades, but I think R.J. Barrett's just a good play, enough player, and I think he's had, ju- I think he's had a, a just a good enough freshman season as Zion Williams did.
0: Yeah. And I think the kind of, I agree with you that RJ Barrett's season in total is probably what we expected from him. I wanted him to be a little bit more aggressive. Like there, there are some athletes when they play college basketball, when you watch them, this is one of the problems I have with Tatum when he was a Duke. And one of the problems I still have with Tatum in the NBA, you're watching these guys and you want to scream at your TV, RJ Barrett, you are more athletic than every single person in that arena. Go to the hoop. Dunk on somebody. They can't stop you. Tatum is the exact same way. You are 6-9 and longer than every other forward you're going up against. Throw the ball down on somebody. That's my problem with Barrett. I feel like he's just been a little bit too timid this year and hasn't really dominated. Like he should be owning these poor kids. Like I remember watching his uh his his high school highlights just some of the All-American games he was playing in, some of the, the different All-Star games he was playing in he would straight up fool some of these kids, man. Like, he would just take them to the laundromat. And in the in college so far, I just haven't seen it yet. Now he's, his shooting has been good this year. His points per game is still fantastic. I just want to see – like, I wish he would just, like, punch a dude in the face. Like, get some fire going. Like, let's see some passion out there, man. I don't know. It's just a small thing.
1: Yeah, I, you, you know, I mean, I, I really – it's so hard because you don't expect a player like Andrew Wiggins who was – very passive, but still put up way good numbers across the board, and had a fin I think a phenomenal rookie season, and even in the second year, it wasn't until he got the big contract where he where he basically, uh, you know, hit the stop court. trying. Yeah, <laughs> well, apparent, well, that's what it looks like to dies and and I just hope that, um, and I I'd, I'd like to think that these players won't do that, and RJ Barrett being one of them, um, I mean he's he's basically been uh, double teamed because they know Camp Reddish can't shoot the ball since so Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. Since Zion Williamson's been out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the, what I love about his game is though he is, when Trey Jones was out, he played point guard. When Zion Williamson's out, he's played some four. He's got a lot of rebounds. He has done a lot of dirty work for Duke because of injuries, because of rostered rotation uh, limitations, foul trouble, whatever. And I think that's going to um, show his versatility.
0: And, uh, uh, agree. I like that a lot. I like his ability to handle the ball like that. That 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 again goes back to my point. Like if he can handle the ball like that, like like let's see you let, literally every single Duke fan. I'm not a Duke fan by the way. Every single Duke fan out there is like, please, R.J. Barrett, dunk the ball in Luke May's face. Do it once. It needs to happen. Put him on a poster. Like he has the ability.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I yeah, I don't know. He just. I I see what you're saying. I think he needs to be more aggressive going to the hole uh, because worst case scenario, he's going to the free throw line. So I, I, you know, and, and his first step is so much quicker than most of the guys that are guarding him. It's, Mm -hmm. it's silly. And and I think he's going to be able to use that at the next level. And I, and I still, I'm, I'm never going to move him off the number two slot in my big board. I just think there's just too much talent there. Um, You know, and I had him one for a while, but then I, finally gave in to the Zion Williamson hype and uh, yep. and swapped them. But I, I think our parents can be a good pro.
0: It reminds me of a couple years ago uh, when James Young, remember James Young when he was at Kentucky? Yeah. And all he would do is just be super aggressive and dunk on people. Everyone was like, oh, James Young, he's going to be amazing in the NBA without realizing that. He couldn't do anything except be really aggressive and dunk on people. I want to turn like push James Young and RJ Barrett into one person and just tell RJ Barrett to dunk on people because that James Young dunk from the the title game that year is still the highlight of that whole season. Yeah,
1: and then he, and then James Young would hit the occasional three, and you're like, oh, oh, he's got, oh, hey now, you know, hey there. But, <laughs> but then he gets to the NBA and realizes he can't shoot.
0: He couldn't. He can't do anything. He couldn't shoot. He was so bad.
1: Except Bill Simmons cheered for him.
0: Dude, just, just um, again, we're not, we're not going to make this a Celtics podcast. I just, as everyone always gives Danny Ainge so much credit for being a great drafter, let's also not ignore the fact that he took, like, in, in in a two-year or three-year span, he took Jawan Johnson, James Young, and Fab Mello. Like, those were three first-round picks by Danny Ainge at some point in the Celtics rebuild. Like, that's just not pretty. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was a bad stretch. Yeah, not going at all. You guys are listening to the Believe in NBA Prospects Show here on the Nothing But Net Dash Radio Channel. I'm your host, Howard Rubenstein. You can go follow me on Twitter at SportsStein for all your NBA news and coverage, and you can go follow my guy Michael at Maximum Hoops NBA on Twitter. Michael, let's get into a couple more risers here. Absolutely. One guy, I I am officially naming him my draft crush. I'm putting the heart on him. He is my guy. He wins the Big 12 player of the year, Jarrett Culver from Texas Texas Tech. I'm going to tell you every we got I, we go ahead, we, go ahead. we
1: both have a crush cuz I love this kid.
0: He every single time I expect him to fall to the wayside, I expect him to be not the player that he's been all year. And he just continues to get better. His consistency, his shot making, his ability to create shots for other people is something that I've seen develop over the course of this season. I want to say this, Michael. I know that uh, people are going to say like last year, like, oh, Culver wasn't that good because Zaire Smith took over the team. Jarrett Culver is twice the prospect that Zaire Smith was coming out last season. Jarrett Culver, I don't know why they didn't let Culver run the team last year. Regardless of how good Zaire was, he has been far away the best player in the Big 12 this year. And I, I at least in my opinion, he's been the best sophomore in college basketball this year by a pretty significant margin.
1: Oh uh, yeah, those are all, all across the board, I agree. I, you're right, I have a man crush on him too. This guy is just a stud, and every time I think he's going to disappoint me, he doesn't. He had a great week this week. He really did. He has come to play, and, and I am once the I after the after the tournament, I always redo my big board and and I make a lot of changes. I'm telling you right now, that guy's gonna be in my top five, and I don't think I'm gonna ever take him out until the draft. I mean, the guy is just a stud, and he, and he, he, he has to be. And he is so versatile. He's such a good defender. He rebounds. He passes the ball. And you're right. He runs the offense. I mean, they come up the ball. They come up the court. They give the ball to him, and then they, they all get out of the way because
0: he knows what to do. It's, it's like watching Murray State with John Morant, <laughs> except I, it's Texas Tech. Kind
1: of, I just think I and going back to Zaire Smith. I Zaire Smith was, I think, a little bit more flashy last year. Uh, but, yes. But Jerry Culver's. You're right. Twice or even three times the prospect coming out. He's definitely the best sophomore. He is a stud. And- I would take him I would take him in the top 4 for sure.
0: And also Michael it needs to be pointed out. Coachability is big with these guys, especially coming out of these big colleges, D1 schools. What what Jarrett Culver's sophomore year shows me Is that he knew what he could do as a freshman last year, but deferred to Zaire Smith, the older, maybe more experienced player, and allowed himself to develop over the course of two years in college under the coaching at Texas Tech. That shows me he's a humble kid who is willing to give it up to an NBA veteran if necessary, and he's extremely coachable. That, that that to me is is such an important trait to have. I'm not gonna try to comment on John ja Moran's coachability or, or an RJ Barrett's coachability because I don't have any evidence to suggest one way or another I'm just kind of neutral like I'm sure they'll be fine but Culver has shown me, a certain level of of grit and determination from sitting on the bench, not sitting on the bench, but for not being this much of a factor for them last year when he obviously could be, it's not like the talent just came out of nowhere. He was this good last year, but with Zaire Smith there with the way that the team was orchestrated, he was okay taking a back seat and waiting for his chance this year. And he's really made everything that you could possibly have made out of a chance to start with Texas tech.
1: That's a really good point. Uh, And this is another thing going back to why some players just need to go to college, and it has helped Mm -hmm. him. It has blown his stock up. Sitting behind Zaire Smith, getting to see, or you know, not getting to be the number one guy. But I, even on the court, and this is my only really knock against him that I've seen on the college game is that I would love for him to take over a game like right away. Like sometimes he he doesn't take over the game when I want him to. He's very
0: patient. Uh, he's, almost too
1: patient. He's very patient, and you're right. He swings the ball, and I'll be like, "Why are you swinging the ball? You can take that, dude." You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I don't get it sometimes, but you know, obviously, and that tells me he's probably coachable because he's probably working the offense. He's probably you know, they're they they got a set they're running, and he's not going to just go take over the game, and then he takes over the game when he needs to. Uh, Jared Culver has impressed me since uh, the moment this season started. And he has taken over a few games this week. And I think that you're going to see him take over. Hopefully, uh, I think they're definitely a sweet 16 team could make a run, you know, to the uh, elite eight. We'll, we'll have to see, but uh, he's going to have to be every bit of a takeover superstar for them to do that though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, look, you know, Texas tech made a run a couple years ago in the tournament. I think it's, it's a, it is possible that we could see Culver lead them to another run. But unfortunately, with the rest of that Texas Tech team, there just isn't really a ton else to kind of call home about. Like the the rest of the team is just it, – it's not really anyone that you're going to be like, ooh, definitely need to watch out for that guy. So yeah. I, I'm not huge about it, but also I, I think that Culver is going to show up.
1: I was, That's the thing. That's the thing. They're garbage. So if they play a, a, a really good team, um, that, that can – play a little box on them or, or do a little, uh, you know, like shadowing a, a second defender on them. They may cause problems, but his passing ability is just so underrated that, uh, you know, I think they're definitely on his town alone, a sweet 16 team. Uh, but mm-hmm. you're right. Getting to the next level, there's no one else on that team that can, that can even maybe, you know, get some attention, you know, off of him. So uh, it, let's just put it this way. He gets them any further than a Sweet 16 team. It's just going to boost his stock even more.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our last riser here. It, I'm, I'm going to cheat, though, Michael. I'm going to cheat. I'm including two separate people as one riser because I don't think you can include one without the other. But the reason I have them there is because they're starting to play really well together. Rui Hachimura slash Brandon Clark is our last riser. I don't know how much of the West Coast Conference tournament you've been watching. Uh, they they smoked uh, Gonzaga, smoked Pepperdine the other day. I saw obviously, that. I saw that. Pepperdine. Yep. The combination of Brandon Clark and Rui Hachimura has started to become lethal. The way that they have been able to, you know, kind of run the offense through a very interesting post offense, allowing Brandon Clark to be a little bit of a a facilitator, allowing Mike Norvell to also be, you know, kind of the facilitator that he can be also at the top of the key. And Hachimura has been on the receiving end of everything. And over the past like five games or so, shooting 55% from the floor, no threes. But fifty-five percent from the floor for Hachimura. Brandon Clark has led the team in a rebound. Three of their last five games. The combination of them two, they are they while they boost each other's draft stocks, they are also boosting Gonzaga, who right now, I mean, but Michael is Gonzaga the best team in the country going into the tournament? If
1: they're not, they're awfully close. Because I'm going to tell you right now, man, you are right. Those two guys are feeding off of each other and Rui Hachimura, his mid-range game is the best in the game. He is so mm-hmm. good inside the paint, either with a little a jumper or or his little plethora of moves he's got. He is so clever to watch. And 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 I know you're a big Brandon Clark guy, and I'm starting to come oh, yeah. I've starting to come a little bit towards your way. You're right. I've seen the offense run through him. I've seen him be able to do more things. He's rebounding the ball well. He's showing an ability as a 3-4 combo. You know, to uh, show skills that you know maybe possibly could play either position. Uh, yeah, I think, and then and then their guard play, so good. I, I th- yeah, they're they're pretty good. And uh, while Hachimura and uh, Clark get the um, they get the publicity and they get the you know the the, the news headlines. up, uh, you're right. Their backcourt uh, is just ridiculous, and I think <laughs> they they're going to be a Final Four team most likely. Depending, I hope so. Depending on the I, again, brackets and whatnot, but
0: I want to see more big games for Gonzaga, especially these two prospects. I mean, it's not like Gonzaga's really had too many big games this year. I mean, the the couple big games that they had. I mean, they beat Duke by two. But the other two big games that they played this year against Tennessee and North Carolina were two games that they lost, and there are only two losses of the season so far. Now, that was a long time ago, Michael. That was all the way back in early December. So this is a much different team with a better ideology of how the offense works. But all in all, I- I'm ready for this Gonzaga duo to come to the NBA. I think that Hachimura is going to be one of the most fascinating guys in this year's draft. Because, look... If you can shoot the mid-range at his height and his athleticism, somebody is going to teach him how to shoot threes. It is inevitable. Like – it's not like Giannis, who like can't even shoot from the mid range. can knock it down from the elbow for anywhere from you know 13 feet to 20 feet. He's knocking it down. You add, you know, about six feet on that, you can start having him shoot some threes. I think he'll be fine in the NBA from that standpoint.
1: Oh, I think he's going to be a phenomenal NBA player. I think he's you know he's not going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a starter. I think eventually down the line.
0: I think his peak is Chris Middleton. I could totally see him being that kind of guy.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, that might, well, Chris, yeah, Chris, Middleton. he's not as long. Yeah. I mean, I just think that you're, uh, yeah, I, he just, he's an abnormal, uh, type of basketball player. He's not a three point shooter. He's not really the greatest athlete. He doesn't, you know, play above the rim. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty, he's a good rebounder, not a great rebounder, but he just does all the intangibles and his mid range game is so sick. I mean, really sick. He is so good in inside the paint, inside the, the
0: art. This is gonna sound a little nuts. This is gonna sound a little nuts. Don't you know, people might come at me for, for saying this. I'm not trying to be you know racial or anything, I promise. Rui Hachimura is from Japan. If you have ever watched Asian basketball, Chinese basketball, even, even the Japanese basketball league. Most of it runs out of the mid-range. Yeah. So it's very clear the international influence that he has that has on his game. And it's so interesting watching him because he sticks out like a sore thumb. He's just this massive dude who's taking jumpers from the elbow and hitting all of them. I think he's a fascinating player to watch. I'm excited to see what he has coming up in store for us uh, in the tournament.
1: Absolutely. And you know what has died? The elbow jumper. So I think I know bring back the elbow jumper. If Rui Hachimura can bring it back and, and be successful at it. And and you know, I mean, he could probably play the three to four in the uh, you know, and, and a lot of teams are going small now. So he, he's got he's gonna probably be a bench player the first couple of years, but I can see this guy starting online. There is no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, I think that he's gonna end up being one of the more interesting guys in this year's draft. Michael, we have a couple of minutes left here on the pod. I'm going to present to you. A, a, uh, a player for a, a faller might not make too much sense up front, but let me kind of explain. I am putting Grant Williams on the faller list. Okay. Most because he has not performed up to a certain level that I wanted to see him against big teams this year. They got roasted by Kentucky a couple weeks ago. They got roasted by LSU a couple weeks ago in in overtime. They just lost in a massive...
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.